let's turn once again to the book of Malachi. Malachi in the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, and chapter 1. Last time we met, we were reminded of God saying to His people, I have loved you. And the people saying, but Lord, how have you loved us? Remind us, Lord. How have you loved us today? And God points them to His faithfulness in the past. And then He says, now love me today because of my faithfulness to you. And today, in the passage we're going to look at from verse, chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 14, God points to another sin in the nation. Sin among His own leadership. The leadership God appointed, the priests. And God brings a hard word to them. And so today is going to be one of those sessions again where we have to have some cod liver oil. But God does add some honey to that cod liver oil and we'll get to that passage in verse 11. So let's just read together this word to the nation of Israel so many years ago but so relevant to us today. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why offer it? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would, would he receive you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. But now will you not entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might, might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offer from you. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be offered in my name and a great offering that is pure. For my name will, will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, My, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler 
who has a male in his flock and vows it that sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. What does God have to say to us from this passage? It's a hard thing for me as a minister or as a preacher of the Word of God to talk about the sin of, my, of those in my own profession. You see, there are many today in this country of ours and all over the world who are not genuinely saved but who preach the Word. There are many who have no call from God to do so. There are many who preach today who are not sure if they should be in the ministry at all. And yet they carry on Sunday by Sunday. There are many ministers who offer a watered-down, man-pleasing message of the Word of God instead of the true and sometimes disturbing message, the truth from the Word of God. There are many preachers today who preach as if life is unending. And I'm not talking about the length of these sermons there. They preach with no urgency. They preach as if hell is a fantasy. They might even say that hell is a fantasy. They preach that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is unnecessary for salvation. I heard that this week. And so the Lord can very rightly say of many ministers and preachers today in the year 2011, it is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name you place defiled food on my altar. And here's the problem, you see. Where the leaders are unfaithful, the people in their churches soon follow. And when the church starts to go through the motions of worship to God, as their leaders are, the people start to walk away from the church. They start to walk away from gathering together as God's people, as so many do in this country today. And soon churches die. And buildings like this are turned into coffee shops. You just need to tour around this country and see the number of church buildings which are now coffee shops. Where does it start? Right here. You are not giving God the honor due to His name, says the Lord. So are we ready for God's cod liver oil in us today? You see, God's accusation to His priests is this, Where is my honor? He says in verse 6, As a son honors his father and a servant his master. You know, that was the generally accepted norm in Jewish society. No one would have thought otherwise. A son must honor his father. A servant, of course a servant honors their master. We're not even going to argue that. You see, if you argued with that, you got stoned in those days. And I'm not saying it would be good today, but there's something to be said for it. Don't you see in society what's happening? There's just no honor anymore for anyone in authority. And we reap the repercussions of it. But God builds His case here against His priests. He adds another widely accepted truth. A widely accepted truth in Israel. And that was that Jehovah is the Father and the Lord of Israel. You see, no Jew would even think of questioning that statement either. 
But God says to them, yes, that's good in theory, but where is it in truth? Where do you worship me as Jehovah, your Father, O Israel? Priests, where do you worship me in this, in this way? It's just theory to you. God says to them, if society in general knows how to show me honor, says the Lord, why don't you as my own people, why don't you as my own priests even show me that general honor which should come to me as your father, the one who named you Israel? Never mind the added honor which should come to me as your master because I am Lord of hosts. And when you go through that whole passage, you'll see that is one title that God repeats there over and over and over. Lord of hosts. Lord of the armies is what that word hosts means. I am the all-powerful master, says God Almighty. Where is the reverence? Where is the fear that should be coming to me? Where is the true worship that should be coming to the one true God? And you priests, where do you think you're going, says the Lord? I'm speaking to you. Don't turn away. I'm not speaking to your people now. I'm speaking to you, priests, says the Lord. You are the ones who despise my name. Do you see, God addresses the priests here. The nation's supposed spiritual leaders. And in this post-exile time, the whole of Israel's spiritual life revolved around the temple and temple worship. And the leaders were supposed to give the proper leadership during this time. They'd been appointed by God to be leaders in righteous devotion before Him and to lead the people by example and by their function in temple worship, worship of God. And yet, they were the ones foremost in despising God's name. They were the ones who were openly showing contempt for God and worship of Him. And we're going to be looking at that. Jesus spoke about this very, very issue when he said in Luke chapter 6 verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That's the same issue, you see. And then look at the priest's response to that. How have we, how have we done this, says, says the priest. It's like the kid's game that they used to play. Who, me? Couldn't be. You see, that's not the question of righteous men, but the retort of self-righteous ones. Lord, us, what have we done? And the open denial further proves their wicked contempt of God. They're denying that they've done it even when they've been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They're still saying, who, me? What were the priests doing? What were the people as well doing? So, don't switch off now because God's speaking to the priests, by the way. God is indirectly speaking to the people too because they've got their hand in that same jar. You see, the evidence God now puts before them is directed to the priests and the nation because they've been working together in this. The people bring the offerings and the priests sacrifice what the people bring. And so together they are guilty by having a wrong attitude in their worship of the Lord. Note the way that the passage uses the words despise and defile. 
You despise me by bringing defiled food. You see, the one points to an attitude of the heart and then the evidence of that comes out in the offering, the way that things are offered. You despise me and therefore whatever you present to me is defiled, is what God is saying here. And so the priests were coming with defiled attitudes. And note, it doesn't matter what they brought to the Lord. If their attitudes were wrong, the food was defiled. It was presented with a wrong motivation. What was the priest's attitude? What is God pointing to? You see, what the priests were saying is, they were thinking like this. We will not present to God what He requires, but we will present to Him what we think will pacify Him while we go through the motions of worship. We will give God what we do not need ourselves. We will give Him our off-casts. And so God says, that is the thing that is defiling before me. Your attitude to me defiles whatever you put on my table and it defiles my table itself. It shows that you despise me, says the Lord. Their attitude is one of hypocrisy and disobedience. God was saying to them, your attitude towards me stinks even more than the half-dead offerings you bring me. I think we got that one now. But that's not all they were doing. These priests were not just defiling the sacrifice by their wrong attitudes. They were also bringing and presenting to the Lord defiled foods. The lechem, or the combined, that's a combined word for any foods that were brought to sacrifice. The lechem you are presenting to me is not of the standard, says the Lord, demanded by me, and which you know you are forbidden to bring to the Lord. They knew very well from Leviticus chapter 22, verses 20 to 25. You can go and look at that in your own time. God was telling the nation, this you bring to me, that you don't bring to me. Why did God do that? Why did, he sense, why did he not just let them bring anything? Well, God was trying to teach the nation that He is a holy God and that they can't just approach Him in any old way. They must do things His way. And so they couldn't just bring anything. They had to bring Him their very best. And their worship of Him was shown by obeying what He wanted. You see, true worship is tied up in true obedience. That is what God is trying to do through these rules of what to bring and what not to bring. You cannot just approach God willy-nilly, as so many of us do today. And so the priest had a dual function. One of the functions the priest had was quality control. They had to make sure, when they were standing at the temple gates, that whatever came through that the people were bringing was what God wanted. And if it wasn't, they had to say to the people, this is not what the Lord requires. You can't bring this in. And they very well knew by Mosaic law what those particular requirements were. And the people knew too. They knew that the lamb that was placed on the altar had to be without spot, had to be without blemish, the best, the first fruits of the flock. And instead, the people came in Sabbath after Sabbath and they brought the blind, the lame and the sick, says our text all those which they should have rejected. 
And what did the priests do? The priests closed their eyes. And they allowed it all through. And then, if God can get sarcastic, this is the closest he'll get to it. Verse 8. He says, you try presenting these second-rate gifts that you bring in to me. You try present that to your governors. And see what happens to you. See if they will enjoy what you bring them. And I think the people all knew what would happen. They would lose their necks. Because even the human governors wouldn't accept these things. And yet, they've got the presumption of thinking that they can bring these to God. You see, this was bad towards human leaders, these gifts that they were bringing. But God calls it something else. He doesn't say it's bad. He calls it pure evil. He uses the word evil. So the priests closed their eyes to what was coming in and what was being brought to sacrifice. And then to top it all, the Lord says, you priests then actually take these defiled, these wrong offerings and you actually slaughter them and then present them on my altar to me as if I'd be satisfied with that, says the Lord. How did these things get like this? It didn't just happen overnight. You see, after the people returned from exile, they had to build up everything again. They'd come back with nothing. And so, they were building up their herds. They were building up their stocks. They were building up their crops. And so, they would be tempted to keep the best for themselves. We're in hard times, Lord. We're going to keep this because we need it, Lord. And we will bring you what we can spare. Can you see the way that they might have reasoned? And the priest might have reasoned like this. We don't want to irritate these people. They're bringing us what they think they can spare. And we need food ourselves. And the temple needs um, things here so that we can carry on the work of the temple. And so we're not going to irritate them. We're going to just let it go this time. The Lord will understand. You see, instead of leadership that was right in the sight of God, these priests joined the people in their sin by closing their eyes. And they blatantly sacrificed these wrong offerings to God when they knew it was sinful. And that is what God climbs into against them. Now there's a modern day parallel to that and you might have picked it up already. You know in what times we live. There are so many Christian leaders today who should be teaching God's word faithfully. And they should be providing people with the ethical instruction and the guidance in the truth that they need in difficult times. But you know, our, pre- our pastors and our ministers are afraid that their message will be unpopular with the people. Why are they afraid? Because if the, the people don't like the message, what do people do? People get up and they walk out. And these... Modern leaders, they don't want to lose the people because what goes out the door with the people? Their money. The recognition that these men get and the woman. That all goes with when the people walk out the doors. All these fancy programs that we thought of all walk out the door with the people. All the mortgage payments walk out the door with the people. And so we must preach what the people want to hear so that they'll stay. And what do we do today? We close our eyes to what God's Word requires. 
we close our eyes to the, the sin, the blatant sin in the people who are in front of us, in the people that we mix with week by week. We learn to live with it as pastors. And I know, I've got fellow pastors who work, and I know what they say. So what do we do on Sundays? We give them Christianese talks. We give them motivational hypes. We tickle people's ears with what they want to hear. You see, men who do this have a form of godliness, but they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, says 2 Timothy. It warns us, it warns us against this. We present God offerings He does not find acceptable. We are guilty as church leaders. I've already spoken about this, but there's this movement called Chrislam that is out now. It's run by the Faith Shared Movement, which was started by Rick Warren. And it was started in all innocence by trying to reach out to Muslims. But it has now changed. And it has become a call for an interfaith movement. What I'm going to read to you now was taken from their website on the 26th of last month. That's a few days ago. This is what they say. Listen to this and then see if this is an offering the Lord would find acceptable. This movement called Faith Shared asks houses of worship across the country to organize events involving clergy reading from each other's sacred texts. I'm quoting. An example would be a Christian minister, a Jewish rabbi and a Muslim imam participating in a worship service or other event. Suggested readings will be provided from the Torah, the Gospels and the Quran. The communities, listen to this, communities are encouraged to choose readings that will resonate with their congregations. Give them what they want to hear. That will tickle their ears. Involvement of members from the Muslim community is key, says their website. We will also... We will also provide suggestions on how, listen to this, on how to incorporate this program into your regular worship services. Do you get what's happening? And, as if that's not enough, we will also assist local congregations in their media and communications efforts. So we will help you to advertise this as well in the community. Any volunteers to do this next week? I don't think so. You see, this is exactly what God is saying. You leaders are supposed to be taking the leadership, but you are not doing it. You are closing your eyes and you are opening up your congregations and the people to all kinds of sin. And so you present to me an offering that I cannot accept, says the Lord. Malachi says in verse 9, he says, you need to entreat God's favor. But will you bring such an offering to God? And then he bursts out, and this is God speaking, he says, Is there anyone who would shut the gates? Is there anyone here among you who would shut the gates? Is there anyone willing to stand up and do what I've appointed you to do, says the Lord? Shut the temple doors. Put an end to this hypocrisy. You see, this is the truth from this passage. 
God would rather see the temple closed than to have the people and the priests playing at religion and keeping the best for themselves. And just by the way, in brackets, God closed those temple doors Himself by bringing temple worship to an end forever. Not just when Jesus Christ came and sacrificed Himself, the perfect sacrifice, but he also he carried on and then under physically under Titus in AD 70 the temple was broken down. God closed those temple doors. No man could stand up. God did it himself. And so God makes the statement of judgment. And I pray that God will never make that this statement on this church, Wanganu East Baptist Church. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord, nor will I accept that offering from you. Why? And here we come to the bit of honey in our cod liver oil this morning. Why does God, why cannot He accept any of these offerings from us? Here it is, verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure. And for, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Now if you're an English teacher, what tense is that? Projecting into the future, isn't it? And so at the time when this is given to the Israelites, during the time of Malachi, Jehovah's name was certainly not being held in awe. And that is why God is speaking here. And so... They had to understand this prophetically. It wasn't happening in their time, but there would come a time when this would happen. You see, God is speaking here about a time when He would be worshipped, not just by Jews, but by Gentiles as well. And the gospel message would spread into the whole world when the Lord Jesus Christ came, the Messiah came with that life-saving message, and when He laid down His life, and when He made a way back, to God, so that all men everywhere could bring their worship and their prayer to God directly. There would come a time when from east to west God would be worshipped. But it wasn't now in the time of Malachi. But there was a warning here too to the Jews. If you will not worship me, I will find those who will worship me, says the Lord. And we'll get back to that warning a little later. You see, when God revealed himself to the heathen, to the heathen who were seeking him, he would allow them one day to offer up pure offerings of prayer or incense to him, says verse 11. And they would worship him in spirit and in truth. But, says the prophet, now, back in Malachi's time, verse 12, you profane my name. And here's the central theme of this passage. You profane my name. You see, God is jealous of His name. What did He say back in the Ten Commandments? I am God. I am the Lord God alone. There is no other God like me. Not even you, mankind, even though you put yourself in my place. And if that's not enough, in verse 13 He says, Look what you do, you priests. You say, my, how tiresome it is. 
and you sniff at me. You show me open derision. This was open. The people could see all this happening. And then says God, to top this off, you bring me what has been taken by robbery. That is, you bring me animals that have been taken away and half killed by wild beasts. You find them lying next to the road and you think, well, they'll do, and I'll bring it. And usually... In the nation of Israel, when they found half-dead animals, they knew they were defiled. And so what happened to those animals? They didn't waste them. They fed them to the dogs. And so God says, you are bringing me food fit for dogs. And you think that I'll be happy with it? Maybe we can summarize the priest's thinking like this. I'm trying to put myself into the head of a priest here. Listen. We, the priests, are underprivileged. What the people cannot sell, what they refuse to eat, all the old and defective animals, they're all palmed off on us. And the best parts, the fat, I don't know why they like that, but they did. The fat of the animals, they must be offered on the altar of God while we get what's just left over. And what a weariness it is to come here Sabbath by Sabbath and to stand all day long and to be willing to, whenever someone wants to bring a sacrifice, to kill the animal, to skin it, to gut it, to cut it up, to offer it up. What a weariness. This is a filthy, bloody job and what do we get out of it? And if they had second-hand tea bags, we'd get them. You see what the priest is saying? What a weariness to worship God who's And then in verses 13 and 14, God starts His word of judgment on the priests. And it carries right on through to chapter 2, verse 9. And we're not going to get to that this morning. We'll get to that next time. But God says, I will bring judgment on you. Should I expect this worship from you? No, says the Lord, both you and the people. Cursed be the swindler, the one who tries to trick God, says the Lord. And this curse the Israelites knew was straight from Deuteronomy. It was a curse which led to death. God is saying, death to you if you try and bring this before me. Why? Here it is. For I am a great king. I am the Lord of hosts, he repeats over and over. And you can nearly hear the restraint in his understatement. I am a great king, says the Lord. And my name is feared among the nations. Yes, even the heathen fear me because of my judgments. They've seen what I've done to you. They've seen what I've done to other nations around you. Yes, even the heathen fear me. But what a reproach to you, my own people, my own priests, my own people who do not fear and do not honor me. How does that apply to us today? Are you and I giving God the honor due to Him today? As you sit here in this congregation this morning, are you giving God the honor due to Him as you should be in your life? You see, it starts with a slow fade. The slow fade of not giving God the honor due to Him. And it starts in little facets of our lives. And if we don't deal with that, if our lives aren't fully given over to Jesus Christ in all parts of our lives, 
it grows and it gets bigger and bigger and then after a while it is open for people to see. In our leaders, what is this challenge from God's word to us today? The challenge for us as leaders and any of us here in this church who are leaders, men and women, we are to teach God's word faithfully. We are to teach God's word fearlessly. And we are to confront sin that needs to be addressed. We cannot close our eyes to sin. And if you're sitting here and you think that we as leaders in this church will see sin and not say something about it, I want to be open and upfront with you today. That's a mistake. We will say something. I've done it before and we will do it again. Because we fear God more than we fear man. And as leaders, we will address these things. I don't want to, as a leader in this church, I don't want to accept spiritual mediocrity in myself, in my ministry here, and in the people who are under me and in my watch. I have to stand before the Lord one day and give an account. And so we will confront. And when we hear untruth spoken, we will confront the untruth. And we will do it through the love that God gives us. I will not come and confront you and do it in a loveless way. We will do it in love. You see, we are to love you, not unconditionally. That's an untruth from Satan. We are to love conditionally. What is the condition? The condition is that we are obedient to God's word first. And so we will love you, yes, but it will be with God's word. What is word to the people of God today, to you and I? I think it might start with something like this. Don't be casual in your approach to the worship of God, both in your everyday life and when you come here on a Sunday. How do we see that? You see, it's like when you've got a cold, you pick up the symptoms first. You see the red nose and you might feel a bit flushed. And then you start coughing and you know there's something coming. Alright? So what are some of these symptoms of not worshipping God His way? Well, ask yourself some of these questions. Do you give God your best? Or do you give God your second best? Do, in the relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ, do you give Him your best time? Do you give Him your whole heart? Or do you go through the motions of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you accepted mediocrity into your life? Do you see that as, that's okay? God will understand. Is He all in all to you? Is He at the centre of your life? You see, how does your life, this morning as you sit here, how does it line up with Luke 6.46? Are you through your life also saying, Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what He's asked you to do? If you can point to an area in your life that is not under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are keeping secret to yourself or trying to keep secret to yourself because you don't want to let go of those sins in you because you love them too much, then you are presenting an offering to the Lord that is not acceptable to Him. And He says, give me the honor due to me first. 
You see, when Jesus Christ came for you, Jesus Christ came as the perfect priest. Jesus Christ didn't close his eyes and his ears to anything. He is the perfect priest. And he brought the perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ brought himself, the spotless Lamb of God, and he offered himself on the altar before the Lord. And he gave God perfect honor. And then he says, Now my disciples, follow me. I've gone before you. I've made a way. Bring your lives before the Lord and come through me, says the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, your and my attitude to God matters. It really matters as well. You want some more symptoms? I'll give you a few. Nuts and bolts, okay? Corporate worship. When we get together here on Sundays, when you constantly arrive, arrive late for church services, and I'm saying constantly, I'm not saying when stuff happens, okay? When you constantly arrive late for church services, when you attend services sporadically, when you and I sing half-heartedly when we're giving God glory, when we are hesitant to serve, and we've got to ask and ask people, we need people to serve, and no one comes forward. When, we, when you give grudgingly to the Lord what you can spare, when you are constantly distracted or inattentive when God's Word is presented, what is this indicative of in your life? I'm saying, look at your life. The Lord is saying to you, where is my honor? Where is the honor due to me? When we give financially to the Lord, and you thought I'd get there in the book of Malachi, but this isn't about giving. It's about how we give. You see, God doesn't look at the price tag on what we bring. He looks at the heart. He couldn't care less about the price tag. It's the heart that is important to the Lord. Someone once said this. Listen to this. Very wise words. God despises not the widow's might, but he does despise the miser's might. You get the difference? It's the attitude before the Lord. You see, true worship of God is giving Him the honor due to Him. And you've got to ask yourself this morning, are there any areas in my life that are not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ? Am I being protective over certain areas of my life? I need to give these to the Lord too. He can see them anyway. I need to present them to Him and ask Him for forgiveness so that my life will be a sweet-smelling offering to the Lord. You see, there's a warning here for us. As the Lord ended here with a warning to the priests, I want to end this morning with a warning both to the church leaders and to us as a church, as, as a congregation. If we do not worship God His way, what does Revelation say will happen? God will remove our lampstand and our witness in this community will die. The Lord doesn't respect the number 99 turning to 100. He's been, he's been faithful to us for 99 years. There's nothing magical about the number 100 to the Lord. He will take our lampstand away as a church, as Wanganui East Baptist, if we are not faithful to Him as individuals in this body. The Lord will do it. The cause of Christ in so many churches in this country if you travel around and listen to what is happening there, the cause of Christ would be better advanced 
in so many instances by closing some churches than by keeping them open. Because people are going through the motions of worship in the very same way that the nation was here. And by the existence of unbelieving churches, and I use that word specifically, by the existence of unbelieving churches, the gospel of Jesus Christ in this country and all over the world is being diluted and even contradicted in this country all over the world. And you look on TV and you'll see the same thing. You see, God is jealous for His name. He will continue to make His name great. Why? Because I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. I am jealous for my name. Give me the honor due to me, says the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes from your word, we have to take these messages which really cut into us and which really challenge us. And they are not pleasant to hear. Lord, you want a faithful church on this earth. And as we heard this past week, as, as Islam seems to be increasing in this world, and as untruth seems to be on the increase, and as the gospel message is perverted and changed, you want a church, you want a people, you want leaders who are true to you. And you've warned that as we get closer to the end time, there will be a great falling away. The church won't become bigger, it will become purer. And Lord, we just pray that you would stop the rot of the slow fade in us here. That each of us sitting here today that have sat under this passage will examine our own lives before you. Every single facet of our lives. And we will make sure, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are at center of our lives. We will not compromise with sin. We will make war on sin in us. Why? So that you would be glorified. Lord, as a church, as a collection of believers here today, we pray that you would keep us, as Wanganui is church, faithful to you. Keep us faithful in our task to you. Keep us proclaiming your word faithfully so that the word would go out. Lord, save us from compromise, we pray. And when the pressures come against us, whether it will be through legislation, whether it will be through laws, whether it will be through social pressure, keep us faithful to the gospel. Keep us faithful to the truth. May we not give in to pressure. Lord, keep us pure before you, so that you will be glorified and your name will be great. Because you have said you will, do, you will do this. Your name will be great. Lord, we want to be part of that people. A people faithful to you. And Lord, I pray for the leadership of this church. That you would guard us. So that we can look at our lives. And make certain that our lives are right with you. 
Lord, as we lead this people here, keep us humble and keep us faithful to you. Help us to set the right example. And then you will do your work. May your name be glorified, Lord.